Blog Talk Radio. Oh, we'd like to welcome everyone back to the Perkins platform. Um, this month we have a special edition. Uh, we have two guests joining us from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. We'd like to welcome um, Mr. David Pickler and Mr. Martavis Jones. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yes. Glad to be well, here. Glad, yeah, I'm glad to have you um, on on the show this month. We have. A lot to talk about, and 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 certainly um, hope that we can get as much in as as we can in an hour. Um, we're really talking about a lot of of work that has happened um, um, to talk and discuss in an hour. So we're going to just jump right at it. Um, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is the Perkins Platform, um, which is a um, a, a discussion forum for educational leaders focusing on challenges and promises of, of uh, public education. And um, our guests today are part of uh, what is considered to be uh, the largest school district consolidation in American history there in, in, in Memphis. And um, uh, we, we want to get right into some of the, the, the nuts and bolts of what's happening in Memphis down there and um, first, I'd like to bring our audience up to speed a little bit um, about this, and, and then I'd, I'd like to hear from you two gentlemen on your take on some of this. Um, so this consolidation, um, um, as, as we've been able to research about it, uh, um, to say the least, has, has resulted in uh, quite a bit of controversy in your communities. Um, but um, in a nutshell, there was a, um, a, an act um, called the Norris Todd Act, and um, you have uh, since been involved in a um, a combining combining both the school districts, and I think what's really important for the audience to know is that uh, Memphis City Schools, um, located um, centrally in Memphis, um, is a predominantly um, uh, African American district, um, while Shelby County, which is the surrounding suburban aspect of the the, the area, uh, is a predominantly white district. And I just want to point out before I um, ask you to tell us a little bit about this, the, you know, in terms of an overview, um, is uh, I want to point out a few differences that we've been able to um, to to locate uh, to add some some texture to this. Um, first of all, um, Memphis uh, teachers uh, were previously unionized, and Shelby County was not. Um, the county owns its own school buses, and the city has historically relied on a contractor to provide uh, transportation. Uh, both of the districts are used by and large different textbooks and have different curricula for different areas. Um, and each district implements a different teacher evaluation system. Um, in terms of the community, the median income, family income in Memphis we located was about $32,000 a year, while the suburban average around Memphis was about $92,000 a year. Um, uh, 85% of the students in Memphis City uh, were black versus 38% um, uh, in Shelby County. And then um, Title I um, as predicted, would probably mostly uh, affect Memphis um, City, former what would be considered Memphis City public schools um, uh, students. And so 
thinking about that contrast, if you would just take us kind of historically um, back a little bit, I'm going to ask Martavis, if you'd start, because basically through our records we've been able to locate some things happened. Um, If you could tell us a little bit from from the Memphis City perspective how this uh, came to the point. I want you to bring us up to the point where um, you, you suggest that the uh, Memphis relinquishes charter. Then, David, I'm going to ask you on your side to then bring us up to the same point um, from the the county perspective. So, Martavis, tell us a little bit about what was going on and and bring us up to that point. Okay. Um, thank you once again. Thank you for having us on today, Brian. I always like to have a historical perspective whenever I'm talking about this subject. Uh, particularly, I go back to 1986 when I graduated from high school, left Memphis, and I was away from Memphis for 13 years until 1999. When I left Memphis, pretty much, what well, pretty much my uh, perspective of things was that most of Shelby County, Memphis resides in the county of Shelby. Most of Memphis's or most of Shelby County's population was Memphis. So one of the things that I took a look at was to give you, let's just say, the 1980 census. 83% of Shelby County's population was within the city limits of Memphis. Mm -hmm. We had about a uh, 775,000 total population scattered about unincorporated parts of Shelby County as well as municipalities outside of Shelby County. And so what took place from 1986 up until now, we had an eastward expansion. Uh, Memphis sits in the southwest corner of the state of Tennessee. Arkansas is to the west of us. Mississippi is to the south of us. So anytime uh, Memphis grows, it either has to grow north or it has to grow eastward. So what we had was a, uh, a population that moved eastward. During that particular period of time, that population growth Shelby County's population has grown, uh, but Memphis's population has grown as a result of annexation. So uh, we we really haven't had much organic growth over that particular period of time, although the county, those areas outside the city limits of Memphis, they had grown over that period of time uh, to the point where at one point uh, outside the city limits of Memphis you had – maybe just barely 125,000 people, now you have close to 300,000. Mm. So a lot of that expansion uh, took place as a result of the tax revenues generated by people who lived inside the city limits of Memphis. Mm. Fast forward a couple of years ago, 2010, uh, Shelby County Schools, for a, number, for a number of years, had sought what was called special school district status. And as the way as the way that I interpret what Tennessee uh, Code Annotated said, essentially was the fact, and this, you know, this part uh, you know, probably will be disputed by Ms., my colleague, Mr. Pickler, here, is that I saw the possibility of what was outside the city limits of Memphis being at, with special school district status, the tax, gener- the tax revenues generated outside the city limits of Memphis could have been used exclusively for the education of those children who live outside the city limits of Memphis. Memphians, I know that there are some places, and someone, this is, uh, I'd say this is hearsay, but I'll give you an example that 
uh, someone had told me. So if we look at Baltimore County, when the city of Baltimore annexes an area outside the city limits, it no longer is a part of Baltimore County. Tennessee does not operate like that. So although Memphis may, may annex an area, we still are part of and residents of Shelby County. Mm. And so the strategy was if Memphis relinquishes its charter, I who live inside the city limits of Memphis, I still am a resident of Shelby County, mm-hmm. then therefore I have a say-so on what takes place as far as the Shelby County schools. But as long as we had our own school district, then we had no say-so of what took place in the Shelby County school system, although I, as a resident of Memphis, paid city taxes as well as county taxes, but had no say-so in the operation of Shelby County schools. Mm-hmm. So the only way to resolve that would have been for us to join the Shelby County School Board. I see. I see. So, Mr. Pickler, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what was going on from the Memphis, the uh, Shelby County perspective? Sure, uh, Brian. And, for, and, and again, I also would like to uh, thank you uh, and your and your listening audience for this opportunity because it's a uh, this has certainly been a, a historic opportunity uh, for dialogue over the course of the past two years, and and certainly it has been a very uh, a controversial journey that we've been on. Uh, one very brief point I do want to um, correct you on just slightly is that uh, while you are completely correct about the fact that um, the Shelby County student enrollment population is approximately thirty eight percent. African American uh, to say that our district is majority white is not accurate. Uh, we, we as a district are are basically a 50-50 school system. Uh, we have a, a very rich and diverse uh, student population of students who are both uh, uh, you know Caucasian, African American, Hispanic, Asian, and so uh, we are actually slightly below 50%. Caucasian students, white students, and uh, a little bit more than 50% of uh, a, a, a vast array, you know, of more than more than 20 uh, diverse ethnic backgrounds. So, right. you know, we are we are definitely a, a very diverse school system. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, uh, uh, in terms of, of what Martavis just said, to give you a little bit more of a, of a flavor. Uh, the Shelby County school system was actually the original district in the Memphis and Shelby County area. Uh, Tennessee operates under a system of county school systems and has 95 counties. And uh, uh, and for, for many, many, many years, uh, going back to the formation of Shelby County schools back in the 1800s, 1867 to be exact, uh, then uh, we had this wonderful, uh, uh, you know, great town, growing town of Memphis, and then you had uh, at the Shelby County area that was for the most part very poor uh and uh, uh and, and, and you know with uh you know with a combination of both african american and and white uh, residents and children uh back uh, at the uh you know in the latter part of the 1800s the early part of the 1900s memphis city residents decided that um, they uh, uh wanted uh, the children of memphis not to have to associate with those poor kids at in suburban shelby county and so they formed the uh, the memphis city school system uh, literally as a way to uh, uh, provide better educational opportunities for their children. Uh, and so th- for, for many, many decades, uh, you had this Memphis City school system operating as a form of a 
special school district in, under Tennessee law. It, you know, Martavis and I can, can both refer to it as kind of a special special district because it was really unique in, in its, its, its legal history. Shelby County, uh, as Martavis indicated, really beginning in the 1970s, um, uh, began seeing tremendous migration out of the city of Memphis, uh, I think a lot of things were driven by decisions by the courts, but you know the forced uh, desegregation, the busing issues caused an awful lot of people in inside the city of Memphis to begin to migrate outward. And uh, as Martavis indicated, we have continued to see outward migration away from from the core city of Memphis uh, for many many years. Uh, we have actually seen uh, even more substantial growth to the the south of Memphis, into northern Mississippi, and even to the north of us in uh, in Tipton County, uh, whereby we're seeing more and more people wanting to move away from the city. Uh, over the court, you know, I served uh, uh, or have served on the Shelby County Board of Education since 1998, about the time the Martavius was coming back in. And for many years prior to uh, me joining the board, there had been some concern uh, by members of, uh, of the, the Shelby County Board as well as the leadership about what would happen if, in fact, the, the city of Memphis school system were to ever decide to give up their charter. Because under Tennessee law, the county has responsibility for delivering those educational services, and that we knew that Memphis City operating in their, their special legal capacity, that all it would take would be a vote of the city school board to give up their charter, and that vote to be ratified by the people of the city of Memphis, uh, that the city school system would effectively disappear, and the responsibility would flow to uh, the, uh, the Shelby County. School board. That represented a concern because uh, uh, we had been maintaining uh, what we felt was an extremely high quality of education uh, in suburban Shelby County, and the fact that uh, that that education quality we've been able to maintain, despite the fact that we were funded at a level that was substantially less then the Memphis City School System was a source of, of real concern. In fact, as, as late as 19, as early as 1960, there was a, uh, a vote by the City School Board that failed by one vote that would have uh, had them relinquish their car charter in force consolidation 60 years ago, 50 years ago. Fast forward to uh, 2010. And uh, you know, and yes, the, our board had uh, been pursuing legislation for many years that would allow our district to remain independent and autonomous. Uh, but although interestingly enough, under Tennessee law, the fact that we were seeking this special school district status would in no way have uh, have in any way reduced the funding that would go to Memphis City Schools or Shelby County. In Tennessee, uh, the funding for local education comes primarily from the state and from local governments, and uh, the funds follow the children. Uh, and, so, uh, and so, therefore, uh, the Shelby County property tax that go to fund education would follow the children, whether it be in Memphis City or Shelby County. Uh, the state funding would follow the children, whether it be in Memphis City or Shelby County. So the act that we were trying to, uh, to take place to allow our district to remain in independent and autonomous, uh, was not about funding, never was about funding, but it was about the ability to retain that independence. Um, in December of uh, 2010, uh, by a very narrow five to four vote, uh, the city school board did vote to give up their charter. Uh, that vote was ratified by the people of the city of Memphis in March of 2011. Um, and uh, and so we have been on this track uh, ever since. And uh, you know, a federal judge was involved and did ratify that uh, uh, that the merger would take place. And uh, as part of that, Martavius and I spent a lot of time together uh, and helped craft 
uh, an agreement that once we determined that this merger would go forward, that uh, there would be a a well-thought-out process that would at least give an opportunity for this merger to be successful and uh, to provide uh, an organizational structure uh, to get that done. And that was by the creation of a a transition planning commission uh, that uh, was put together of some of the best minds in in our community. Um, Artavius and I had the honor of serving on that committee, and it did some great work in giving some some, some, some wonderful structure uh, and some some great uh, uh, planning opportunities for us as we move forward in this merger. Yeah. Well, well, you know, let me just jump in for a moment because I, I want to go back uh, just a little bit in the chronology of this um, because you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, Memphis uh, relinquishes charter. So I want to go back to Martavius on this and, you know, some of the things that I've read both from some of the local uh, papers and even uh, – some posted on YouTube interviews and discussions and local rags uh, about this. Uh, Martavius, you know, people people have some people from the community have said you you sold them out um, and that um, it was something that shouldn't have happened. And so this was highly mixed emotions about uh, the 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 timeliness and viability of. Of of giving up the charter, so I want to ask you first, um, uh, what were you thinking, and and what was it that made you think that um, um, this would in fact um, be in the best interest of children for Memphis City? What 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 made you come to the conclusion that we need to put let's just put this up and 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 relinquish this charter? I'll go back to the way that I capsulized and best explain it. Unfortunately, I did not pick up on it until after we had done so, as well as after the citizens of Memphis ratified the decision of the board. And it was a National School Boards Association conference that I that I attended. And I heard someone say that your budget is your financial plan for executing your academic plan. Mm-hmm. And so as I saw what would have, as I perceived, to be a threat to the future funding sustainability of Memphis City Schools, then that was the driver of uh, of my decision uh, of mm-hmm. of my initiative to do that. You know, of course, it was it could not have been a unilateral decision. We, you, as you're very well aware, someone has to make the motion, someone has to second it, sure, sure, and it has sure. to be voted upon. So, in no mm-hmm. way can I say that it was uh, a unilateral decision. Sure, but I sure. go back to someone who who, who said. Your budget is your academic plan for executing your uh, is your uh, is your financial plan for executing your academic plan, and so seeing in order for we have something in Tennessee called that we commonly refer to as the maintenance of effort, which essentially says our funding body cannot provide us any less funding than they did the previous year unless there is a drop of in, a drop of enrollment, and so from the standpoint of if it would have been uh, if the ability for those who live outside the city limits of Memphis to challenge the funding, say that we do not, we are based upon state law and what it says about a special school district, and that we only have to pay for those children who attend school in the area that's covered by the special school district, that, redu- that potential reduction in funding and outside the city limits of Memphis represents 40% of the total 
tax values of Shelby County, if we would have set back and allowed 40% of our funding base to have been removed, Mm -hmm. I saw that as a threat to our academic plans that we have Mm -hmm. going forward Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the burden of making up that difference would have solely been on the residents of Memphis. Sure. And so so from your perspective, you're saying you, there was just nothing, no way that you, you saw that um, um, that money could have been raised, um, um, especially in the economic conditions um, that you were facing, the whole nation was facing, in fact. Um, there's just no way that that, that, that gap, that 40% um, gap could have been raised. Right. And I wasn't looking at it just based upon the, the current economic environment at the time. I was looking mm-hmm. at the ability of our district well beyond my service on the board, so sure, sure. 20 years out. I see. I see what you're saying. So, um, now, David, um, likewise, I mean, you. there are a lot of people who are mad at you as well, um, <laughs> you know, that have said things. Um, you know, you were, you know, at the time, interestingly, you know, um, we had Martavis, you were the president of Memphis City, uh, public schools, and then David. Simultaneously, you were the president of um, of Shelby County, and so mm-hmm. you had residents in Shelby County. Um, from some of the things that I've read, you know, so on Martavis side, he's like, well, you know, you're giving up authority to people who don't uh, don't have our best interests in mind. They looked at David. Some of the things that they said about you were that um, how can you allow this? You know, this, it's a failing school district, and how do you how do you justify bringing in um, that system to ours is going to reduce our children's chances of going to college and on and on? What were you thinking? that you said, yes, this is something we should do? Well, uh, for first of all, Brian, I I was just about as as, as uh, vocally and uh, politically and uh, uh, in any other way opposed to this merger as a human being could possibly can be. Uh, for the uh, the 12 years that I served as the chairman of the Shelby County Board of Education, uh, Maintaining the independence and autonomy of that school system was one of my most significant uh, challenges, and uh, and and we, as I said earlier, we always knew that that no matter what we attempted to do, that all it would take would be the vote of the city school board uh, over our objections to give up their charter and have that vote ratified by the people of the city of Memphis. Now, remember when I say that that vote must be ratified by the people of the city of Memphis. All the people who live in suburban Shelby County, none of those individuals were given the opportunity to be a part of that deliberative process. Uh, none of the people who I represent in the suburban part of Shelby County had a, uh, a voice when the city school board voted to give up their charter. None of the people of suburban Shelby County had, uh, had actually had an opportunity to ha- have their, their voice expressed in the vote. And, and it, it actually uh, takes a step for, uh, further back, is that uh, in the year leading up to the decision of the city school board to give up their charter, Brian, uh, there had been an action in Shelby County uh, that was led by the former mayor of Shelby County, or he's now former, he was mayor at the time, uh, to consolidate the government between Memphis City and Shelby County. And uh, there was a long uh, campaign towards that, and uh, under state law, for that to have been affected then it had to have two votes, one of the people within the city and one of the people who live outside the city. Uh, in November of 2010, just before all this took place, that vote 
did occur. Uh, it narrowly, the consolidation of governments narrowly passed within the city and was overwhelmingly defeated, 85 to 15, in suburban Shelby County. Um, the speculation is that it was that evening uh, that the decision was made uh, for the city school board to pursue the surrender of the charter because uh, by doing that and enforcing the consolidation of schools would be a back doorway of eventually achieving uh, the goal of governmental consolidation. So when the city school board began having conversations about giving up the charter, and they utilized the the, uh, the conversation about uh, the efforts that we had made towards a special school district, then it was interesting because we had just as a board passed our legislative agenda for that year. Special school district legislation for the first time actually was not even on the legislative agenda. I know that Martavis will tell you that there was concern because there was a change in the leadership of the state legislature from Democrat to Republican uh, and that it would have made that, that process easier, if you would, for Shelby County to obtain that special district status. And I will tell you that each and every time that we had gone to the legislature uh, in the previous uh, 10 or 11 years to try to get that legislation passed, we had been blocked by the leaders in, within the city of Memphis, and uh, and and uh, and specifically, in some cases, for, from uh, voices within Memphis city schools. And so they had been effective because of the uh, predominantly Democratic leadership of, uh, of keeping Shelby County from pursuing that special district status, even though there was never anything proven that the mere fact of Shelby County Schools becoming a special district would have diminished the funding uh, to Memphis State Schools by one dime. And so as we went forward in this process and then went forward on the um, the, uh, the referendum vote, then uh, Martavius and I have probably spent more time together than, than, than many other uh, people in the city of Memphis because we were constantly in debates going back and forth on this. And, uh, uh, and you know, I did strongly oppose it. And uh, then we did pursue litigation, uh, trying to avoid it. But it was not until... August 8th of 2011, when a federal judge did come down and rule that uh, the merger was was going to happen, and uh, uh, and that you know we need to work together. And so at that point, Martavius and I, our roles changed, mm. and uh, we knew at that point the merger was going to happen. And so our our responsibility then became that we could be part of the problem, or we could work toward being part of the solution. And at that point, we began working towards if we're going, you know, if we're going to have this happen, we need to make sure it's a system that's going to be the, the system that will serve all the children of Memphis and Shelby County School the best. Uh, it certainly was not the result I was looking for. And as we can talk later, there have been some other developments that have occurred, you know, due to the North Todd legislation and others that have made. The situation changed even more uh, as we go forward, but uh, certainly uh, our position was very strongly opposed uh, and stayed opposed until such time as we knew it was inevitable. Sure, and and um, thank you for that. And I, I just want to say to our guests, um, um, I really appreciate um, the um, your your historical perspective here, and we're going to talk. Um, in our uh, next half hour about, you know, kind of what's going on now and and the way forward, um, we uh, want to invite our listeners to uh, dial in. We have, uh, we're going to entertain questions throughout um, on this show. Um, it's a special format. We ask you to call 347-826-9029. 
347 um, 826 And we'll take calls as we uh, go along here um, uh, this afternoon. We have a caller um, on right now who is um, calling us in from um, what appears to be Colorado. Uh, caller, are you there? Yes, I'm trying to make sure I'm called. I'm calling into the Perkins platform. Yes, it is. Great. So my question, I'm a principal of a small high school in Colorado, and the feedback that we get from parents is that our communication is great, but one thing that I know we're really lacking is involving parents in our decision-making processes. Um, and and with that, um, And with that, I'm wondering if you can talk and help add some clarity to what that process looks like um, at the ground level. In terms of the uh, the, the parent communication on on issues. Correct. Okay. Well, I'll start. I'll start from the Shelby County side, and uh, and also as we go through the transition process, uh, we are very blessed in uh, the Shelby County School District in the fact that we have an extremely strong and actively engaged uh, parent involvement. Uh, our Board of Education back in 2001 actually passed a policy that mandated in each and every one of our schools that we would have an active and empowered PTA organization. We sent a very strong message to our our principals. That we that we embraced and we valued parent involvement, and that we want to ensure that uh, that that principals who you know who who have great discretion in terms of how they run our schools, but uh, we'll, you know provide that that more than just that open door, you know we'll really embrace parents' engagement as a true partner and uh, ensuring that the work of education takes forward. Uh, in in us in Shelby County, we literally uh, have one out of every three. PTA members in the state of Tennessee are members of the Shelby County Council PTA. Uh, not only are they active and, and involved in uh, providing support for the schools, raising funds, you know, providing you know, essential volunteer functions, uh, but they are tremendous supporters of our district uh, when we go to, uh, to, to lobby uh, for legislation in the state legislature or at the local level, uh, you know, the, and, and certainly you know, they have been great ambassadors and advocates for us in the community. Uh, our superintendent routinely meets with the leadership of the PTA and all, and all of the, uh, the the local unit presence on a monthly basis. Uh, our, our our board has a you know you know has a tremendous liaison with the PTA leadership. Uh, you know we are actively engaged in that process, and that's really helped us. And then when we went forward on the uh, the fact that we knew we had this merger happening, then uh, our board made certain that we had at least one PTA representative on the transition planning commission so that we were able to ensure that as we move forward the process that we kept that voice of a parents involved. I know Martavis will tell you that uh, there's another uh, um, parent advocacy group called Stand for Children uh, that uh, uh, that they've had great involvement with and has continued to be involved in the process. But keeping that open line communication and, and understanding that, uh, that that the board values it and sets it by policy it has really established uh, an environment that, that has allowed communications to really flourish within our district. Okay, and Martavius, uh, what was the uh, the commitment to having uh, parents involved on the Memphis city side? Well, we uh, we were not exclusive to the the PTA, although we had a policy allowing PTA or 
PTO or PTSA to thrive at the principal's discretion inside any of those schools, taking on some of the same roles as they did in Shelby County. Now, mm-hmm. of course, with the um, with the participation levels that Shelby County schools had as far as the PTA was concerned, they definitely were at enviable levels, and that's something that we'd hoped uh, we'd hoped coming out of this merger that we could spread district wide. One of the things that I'd advocated when we talked about the, the combination of Memphis City Schools and Shelby County Schools, there are and Shelby County Schools parent participation is one example of this. There were great things that were taking place in each respective district that were that in in some instances may not have been taking place on a county wide basis. So mm-hmm. I saw this as an opportunity for there were going to be some things that Memphis City Schools was doing well that Shelby County could incorporate it. There were some things that Shelby County was doing better that we can incorporate on the Memphis City School side so that we ha- can provide the best educational opportunities for everyone, regardless of where they reside. Right. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we've been we've spent, um, you know, the greater part of a half an hour talking about, you know, what what your, your what motivated you um to to move um into a different role which is certainly understandable at which point the federal judge makes a decision um you you certainly have to uh reevaluate your position and and what your role is um and you know we've talked about um um somewhat in very uh, politically correct terms, some of the 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 motivations around um, the, the both boards and what what, what pushed it. But let, let's uh, let's be honest here um, that we have um, what some very big differences that I pointed out uh, between the districts, and and they're not um, they're not just um, about. Um, you know, just the best interests of children on both sides and and families and and autonomy. But some some of this um, uh, really has to do with um, people's perceptions, people's judgments about what's going on um, in in either district. And and so you you can't ignore um, and, and that there are uh, these differences that exist. And just looking at some of the um, the milestones that have been set um, in terms of outcomes, but looking at um, what the data already suggests in terms of um, um, for for Memphis City, and I just have some of the Memphis City data um, that we have here and just showing where we're talking about is that um, that in stark contrast to Shelby County, um, you have um, for Memphis City, you have third grade reading proficiency um, had 34% of kids at third grade reading proficiency. You had um, about 27 percent of of seventh grade students at math proficiency um we had um what was considered act college ready about 10 percent of the students and a graduation rate of 78 percent um and and so part of part of what i 
um, imagine here has been um, the source of a lot of angst, um, and, and perhaps on both sides, um, is just uh, this merger uh, in some ways affecting um, what what some people on both sides think is we're we're doing well, and why do we need to do this? And and so what I'd like to hear from you is what what do you think um, has been um uh from your respective communities um the 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 major obstacle uh for people to understand and and now that the decision has been made to go ahead and embrace this because i know that there's some other developments that have happened since the decision that i'd like you to talk about in terms of these multitude of of school districts that have emerged but what what is it that uh, has been the biggest hurdles for your as you've gone and tried to bring people back to the table and and work together to make the merger happen what's what's been your 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 obstacle Martavis, I'll let you go first. One one thing that I would say is that uh, we still are waiting on a judge's decision to determine whether or not uh, the Norris Todd law that you referenced at the beginning of the program, whether or not that piece of legislation is constitutional or is constitutional based upon the Tennessee state constitution. Um, there has been some speculation that the judge could rule sometime this week or that a ruling is going to be forthcoming. So that will determine whether or not we will remain as a as a Shelby County, for lack of a better word, unified school district, or whether we will have Shelby County schools that will be comprised mainly of Memphis City schools plus areas outside the city limits of Memphis but not in incorporated cities. Uh, and there are six incorporated cities outside the city limits of Memphis, but in Shelby County. Mm-hmm. I think one of the major obstacles, in my opinion, has been a a, a mis, misperception that this, this is some type of mass busing program where we would have, out the example that I always use, that we will have kids or children from the southwest corners of the county bust our or even more to the extreme northeast parts of the country, in order, in order to, uh, uh, in order to handle some overcrowding or undercrowding type of issues, it's, it's never been about busing or from that standpoint. But I think it is, and I've always contended that a parent's uh, uh, preparedness, what they do to get their child prepared for school, whether we have one district or six districts, whatever it may be. To me, that's the greater influence on children's outcomes versus uh, any other thing, what the parent does before that child gets to school. So I I don't see how this unification process in in, in a single fashion will all of a sudden parents will not be as involved uh, and their children won't be as prepared for school, which I think accounts more so for the academic achievement. If you have a parent who is, uh, from a lower socioeconomic background, may have to work two jobs. They may not necessarily have the knowledge or the uh, have the knowledge or the background to have their children prepared. And so the resources, and I've always contended that the resources that are needed to prepare a child who comes to kindergarten without any uh, any preparation or learning preparation, those are the resources that we're talking about that we need more of when we talk about Memphis City Schools versus more affluent parents. 
David? And I, and I would I would say, Brian, um, that when you talk about the issues to overcome, um, there, there's there's several, uh, and uh, and we'll start with the uh, the basic. Um, premise that the uh, that the surrender of the charter was was undertaken by uh, the uh, the motion that was, that was proposed by Martavius and that was approved five to four by the city school board uh, and then was ratified by the people city of Memphis uh, said that, that they were looking to transfer the administration of Memphis City Schools to the Shelby County Board of Education uh, effectively and, and that was the language that they used um, and so in theory there are many people who when they voted because I've had, had I've had innumerable people from the city of Memphis said that they thought that that uh, when the city school board voted to give up their charter and the people voted for the, the ratification of this transfer that the city school board was going out of business that they would have no role in the uh, the ongoing administration of the process and that the Shelby County Board of Education which has a long history of academic success and of operating efficiency uh, would be taking over. Uh, the reality is that uh, uh, once the judge inter- issued their ruling, the judge immediately uh, called into question the, uh, the the structure of the Shelby County Board of Education and uh, mandated that there be a restructuring of the board. Uh, the Shelby County Board, which had, had been leading the system with seven members, uh, it has now been replaced by a 23-person school board uh, that's comprised of the former seven members of the Shelby County Board of Education. That's been added to by the nine members of the former Memphis City School Board of Education, and then seven additional board members who were initially appointed by the county commission, and uh, in that most recently in August, uh, those seven spots were were, were, were filled with uh, a, a new elected school boards. Right. And so well, well, almost you know, immediately, I mean, you know, well, let me let me just interrupt you for a second because one of the things, I mean, wow, you know, twenty three people. That's a that's a lot. Um, I was on a school board, and and uh, you know, less than fewer than ten. People and it's hard to get uh, fewer than ten to agree on something. Um, but I, I want to go back to what you were saying about the resolution. And um, uh, from our research, we found that um, in December 2010, uh, the then Memphis City School Superintendent, um, uh, Dr. Cash, um, publicly announced the the opposition to the consolidation, saying that it would set the district back decades. Um, why do you think, you know, I mean, not to put words in his mouth, but he's not the only one. What was it about it that would would uh, that um, would be seen as setting the district back decades? If if as the things that you're saying, David, uh, about the um, the more efficient or the efficient uh, operation of the of the uh, Shelby County District and 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 um, how things have been done, and certainly with the academic achievement where it was um why would why would it be considered to be setting the district back decades if it if if some of that could uh benefit uh Memphis City's uh students I think it's a great question, Brian, and certainly I would never want to put put myself in, in uh, Dr. Crowder Cash's head. Uh, but uh, uh, but having been in that meeting and, and listening to him speak that night, uh, he was really talking to the reform agenda. Uh, Memphis City Schools, uh, because of many issues, certainly uh, the high concentration of poverty, uh, some some of the socioeconomic challenges that are going on in the district, uh, has has been a, a, a going through a lot of academic challenges over the last years. Uh, in fact, the state of Tennessee has identified. 83 schools across the state of Tennessee that are in their lowest performing schools, the lowest 5% in the state. Of those 83 schools, Brian, 69 are in the Memphis City School District. 
And uh, and so Dr. Cash uh, was brought in by the board uh, several years ago. I think he's probably been there four or five years now with a reform agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. They were able to, uh, as you probably know, uh, to get solicit and get a significant amount of funding support from the Gates Foundation for a teacher effectiveness initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a number of uh, reform agendas that Dr. Cash is putting in place. And I'm sure that he was deeply concerned about the uh, the steps that they were putting in place to try to uh, to address some of the, the critical needs in this district. And quite frankly, from a Shelby Kane standpoint, uh, we also share the concern because the two districts, as you had said earlier, have very different philosophies of academic uh, performance and academic uh, uh, management and leadership. And uh, and so uh, the, the the fact that the, the real action of the city school board in giving up the charter, we know one consequence is that uh, uh, over $57 million of funding that's been provided from the city of Memphis to Memphis City Schools uh, is will no longer be in place. Uh, that funding goes away because of the fact that Memphis City Schools was funded uh, directly, th- this fund came directly from the people of the city of Memphis, and once the city school board goes away or the city schools goes away, that funding obligation goes away. It's unclear whether you know whether any of that funds those funds will be replaced from any other source. So there's a funding issue. There's a philosophical issue in terms of the fact that the Shelby Kane district operates vastly different than Memphis City does. Uh, we do have different opinions about the way that, that we do education. So I believe that he was concerned, and I think that also goes to the concern on the county side because the county residents who don't view this as a unification, they view it more of a, as a takeover. They see a district that has had uh, a legacy of great education performance, one of only uh, a handful of school districts that has straight A's on their report card for the past five years, uh, merging with a district that has had many academic challenges. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons why each of the six suburban communities uh, that represent the vast majority of what used to be the Shelby County school system uh, are, you know, are moving forward and have and actually voted in August to form their own own school system is not because they don't want to be part of the city of Memphis. It's not because they uh, want to deny the children of the city of Memphis a great education. It's simply that they have been blessed and they feel they've been blessed with a, a system that has been able to be responsive to their needs and deliver great academic performance. And they want to be able to retain that legacy and retain what, what they've had for so many years. So the issues really, you know, come about because of concerns from both sides as to whether or not you can retain some of the reform agenda that Memphis City has due to change of philosophy, uh, loss of funding, uh, the, the costs associated with merger. Uh, we're looking at a possible shortfall that's ranged uh, based on estimates of anywhere from $57 million to upwards of well over $100 million as a budget shortfall for this new merged district going into this next year. And, uh, and, and on a daily basis, there seems to be new challenges for funding. Yeah, so um, to my listeners, I want to encourage you to call in 347-826-9029. We have about uh, 15 minutes remaining in the show, 347-826-9029. Martavis, I'd like to get you to respond to that. Um, you know, David has uh, um, expressed some um, uh uh, concerns that and echoed some concerns from uh, members of the community. I think it's it's fascinating and interesting that um, other that rather than uh, come to the district, um, that the merger district, that all of these other districts have been formed. I'd like to get you to respond to that. 
and the notion that um, perhaps uh, what's not in the best interest of these other uh, um, school districts, um, I mean these other uh, children that were once a part of, of Shelby County to now uh, be merged um, would be a- absolutely detrimental um, and, and, and the thought that, that that could be the case. So I'd like to have you uh, respond to that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Tennessee, and Tennessee as a state, it applied to the Department of Education to receive a waiver under the No Child Left Behind statute, uh, uh, No Child Left Behind law. And if Tennessee would have remained as under the the guidelines and auspices of No Child Left Behind, 50% of the schools in the state have been identified as failing. And so in seeking that waiver, the state of Tennessee uh, instead of, I guess they realize that, well, there's no way that we can tackle 50%, they've developed a new criteria of looking at low-performing schools. And so those schools that were identified would have, were those five that were alluded to, and the uh, majority of which happened to be in Memphis. And so I guess they said that, well, uh, it's easier for us, knowing that there's a, a real need, and once you look at Tennessee's performance according to NAEP, prior to prior to a Tennessee adopting higher standards. Tennessee's total performance, whether, and we're not just talking about Memphis or Shelby County, but Tennessee as a state, you had some proficiency levels in the mid to upper 80s. So Tennessee was given a false positive reading on its academic outcomes. Not just So in my estimation, Tennessee was, was not providing any truth in advertising. We were saying that our students were performing proficiently, and then those who in Memphis were not performing proficiently, and therefore we were dragging down the entire state. Where when you apply Tennessee's results to NAEP standards, Tennessee dropped to the bottom, uh, probably the bottom bottom 10% as as far as performance on a national level. And so... uh, Parents, I think, still have that misconception to thinking that, okay, well, just because there's a merger, I'm not going to do those things that mm-hmm. account for my child being able to perform academically when they get to school. Mm-hmm. Yes, the teachers, teachers in both districts, they deserve a lot of the credit for the academic outcomes that students have once they get to the classroom. But mm-hmm. the unsung heroes in many of these instances are the first teachers, those being the parents. And so I think that it's it's... I think that everyone agrees that if you have a child who comes to school who does not know, who does not have basic numeracy, doesn't know the alphabets, can't identify colors, that child, by the time, there's going to be a lot of resources required in order to get that child to grade level versus a child who was read to at home from from the time that that child was born up until the time that they're ready for kindergarten, and they have the basic numeracy that allows them to learn. You're going to have you're going to have um, better academic outcomes for that child. And so I think that we look at those things on a macro level to account for the performance based upon uh, based upon uh, the difference in the school systems. But when we look at Tennessee as a whole, Tennessee still falls in, Tennessee as a state still has a great deal of academic ground to make up before anybody can pound their chest and say that, well, we are a high-performing state or a high-performing mm-hmm. school district.
Well, we have you know, another uh, caller. We we have another caller. I, I do want to get your comment in response to that, David. We have another caller calling from Louisiana um, at this time. Um, uh, caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Your question or comment? Yes, I have a question. As I'm listening to you, gentlemen, um, I'm hearing a lot of uh, great opportunities that you both have to uh, join your your school districts, and I'm wondering what are some of those what are some of those benefits that you have. I hear a lot of you know some of the apprehensiveness that folks have about you joining, but what are some of the benefits? Sure. Um, one of the things that, that we do want to talk about, because Martavius and I did spend uh, the better part of eight months together uh, on this transition planning commission, which was a really a wonderful opportunity. Uh, the City School Board appointed five great uh, academic uh, and community leaders to this commission. The Shelby County Board uh, also com- uh, recommended and appointed five. Our, our local county mayor uh, appointed five, and even the governor of the state and Speaker of the House and, and President of the Senate appointed a person. And so we had a 21-person group with Martavius and I having the opportunity along with our mayor to serve that brought some of the best practices across the country. We spent literally eight months uh, looking at uh, uh, the best systems across America, and if we're going to create this new district to see you know, what would be uh, an aspirational way to build a brand-new district, we looked at the uh, school district uh, uh, organizational structure from, uh, from, from uh, uh, New Orleans, Atlanta, Atlanta, um, Maryland, uh, the, the uh, uh, Fairfax, Virginia area, uh, all across the country, and we're able to really learn a lot about things that we can do and we can learn from each other. And uh, because certainly, while you know we all had serious misgivings, or at least I did, then we knew that we had to try to come together and do something that would be great for the community. Uh, and out of that process came 172 specific recommendations that uh, we believe could take and help this, this Shelby County Merce District and give it the very best opportunity to deliver a world-class education system. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're now in a process of determining what of those recommendations can we afford. And uh, in light of the fact that, uh, that uh, the funding challenges that uh, we're dealing with and a, a very substantial funding shortfall, now it's going to be up to that 23-person school board as to you know, what, uh, you know, what we actually can approve and what we actually can, can, can accomplish and to try to achieve some of the aspirational goals. Uh, but I think one of the best things that came out of this process was the engagement of uh, community leaders from across the, the, the city to bring some of their best ideas, to identify some best practices, and to have that kind of conversation. Now the job is how much of that great stuff can we afford? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, caller. We have another caller from New York State. Um, uh, caller, are you there? Hello. Yes, caller, New York <clears throat> hey, State. Hey, Brian, can you hear yes. me? This is Bob yes. Weintraub from Teachers College. Yes. Um, Thanks for calling, Bob. Yeah, I just listened into the show, and I'm fascinated. Uh, we all know how powerful poverty is as an obstacle to student and school achievement, and we also know how strongly more advantaged communities protect their schools from this kind of a consolidation. So I just, I, again, I'm late. I just checked in to the program. How how did this consolidation happen in Memphis and Shelby County, and do you see this consolidation um, as a national model, because we need one. Um, Martavis, you want to take a first shot at that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a tough one there. I think that I think that each. I don't know if I would say that this would be a model nationwide, 
but uh, I look at I look at the state of Florida. The state of Florida, I think they have 65, 66 different counties. And if you look at some of the larger ones, they are responsible for providing education to urban students, suburban students, as well as rural uh, children who live in rural areas in the respective counties. And so each state will be different along those lines. Tennessee, as uh, as my colleague David talked about earlier, we mainly are a state that has county school systems, and so I I think that that countywide a countywide school system can be a an efficient delivery model for education. I think it's going to depend upon uh, each individual state because I can think of one I can think of Pennsylvania, for instance. I was in doing some research on uh, how things are governed in different parts of the country. Pennsylvania will be one of those cities or be one of those states where they do a good job of protecting uh, the resources of those more affluent school districts and not having a not having a model that provides a better mechanism for all children to succeed. So I think it's going I don't know if it's going to be a national model because so many uh, states are allowed to do their own thing as far as the delivery mechanism but I think that uh, here in Memphis and in Shelby County, I think that we just want to be focused on providing education opportunities for all children, despite what their economic background may be. Yeah, and I would piggyback briefly on that. Uh, it probably would not be a good national model for, for several reasons. Uh, number one, in this situation, uh, the people of the city of Memphis were allowed uh, to ratify the vote of the city school board, and and uh, by doing that, uh, you know, forced the merger. And unfortunately, the people who live in, in the suburban part of Shelby County and the, and the suburban school board were not given any voice in the process. So it became a little bit of a shotgun wedding, uh, or, or we refer to a hostile surrender, uh, as opposed to a real merger. Uh, a best practice clearly w- w- would be involved with really the two boards working together, communicating, cooperating, collaborating, uh, as really that we had been doing to a great extent in any, any way. Uh, and, and certainly I would not recommend a merger where you are uh, immediately reducing the level of resources uh, and literally going to one of your major funding bodies and say, oh, by the way, you know, we're, we're going to relieve you of your maintenance of effort responsibility for funding, uh, and we're going to try to go forward and deliver uh, – uh, education for uh, more children uh, in, 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 in more severe, severe circumstances with less money. Uh, but I, d- I do think that, uh, you know, we do need to, you know, as we go forward, find ways to be more effective and think differently uh, as to how we address the issues of poverty. Uh, we're very proud of the fact in Shelby County that we have some areas that are just as deeply impoverished as in the city of Memphis, and we've been able to take advantage of those federal dollars, take advantage of some targeted state dollars, you know, and align resources to be able to, you know, to, to give the, the, you know, the principal, the teachers, the students the opportunity to, to raise their level of achievement. In fact, just this past weekend, uh, one of our most impoverished school areas uh, was just recognized as the National Blue Ribbon School in Washington, D.C., showing, at least in one example, that poverty does not have to be an excuse for, uh, you know, for, for, for allowing poor performance. But ultimately, we've got to come together, bring the community together, bring the parents or the families involved, and align all the resources of the community, because the only way that we as a country with our 50 million children in public education are going to be able to remain a viable and relevant world leader 
is through the public education, and we and we cannot afford to throw away any percentage of our kids, you know, who are burdened by poverty, and saying that we we can expect less. We just got to think differently. Yes, and so it, we're down to our last just two minutes. I want to see if we can get caught up to where we are now. I know back in August, your your mayor. Uh, vetoed the countywide sales tax rever- uh, referendum, and so it was put on the November 6th ballot. How did that, how did that fare? The ba- the, uh, the initiative was defeated. Uh, it failed, uh, uh, and so what, what, what that means is that the six suburban communities that had uh, passed a resolution in August uh, permitting the local school, the, the new municipal districts, to be funded uh, in part by this Hassan sales tax, that that will be permitted to go forward. The countywide sales tax increase was defeated. Okay, and then so are you? Are you on track with your plan? I know uh, there has to be a new superintendent uh, uh, announced. Um, who do you have that new superintendent um, uh, in place or selected? Well, we, actually, uh, since, no, we do, uh, currently have a uh, the board has a superintendent selection committee. We still have, and the judge in his ruling that he handed down and. August 2011 mandated that both school systems operate independently until August 2013. So currently we have uh, two superintendents operating the respective school districts. But there is an yeah. act superintendent search committee uh, that's formed. Yeah, as it stands right now, uh, since it is the Shelby County Board that's supposed to be the surviving entity, uh, we do have a superintendent to contract through February of 2015, uh, but at this point the board has, has opted to move in a national search, uh, which is uh, going to be an interesting challenge, especially with these new districts coming on, on board who may be looking to pull from our leadership ranks superintendents and leaders of these new districts. Yes, and so we're going to uh, wrap up there. I know we didn't uh, get to everyone, and so we just want to make sure we're going to uh, um, have the rest of this uh, available on the um, the uh, recording. Um, but I'd like to thank both of you for coming in and, and being on the show. really appreciate you being here. And so um, to our audience, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And so until next month, where well, we have um, Mr. Um, uh, the, the superintendent, the former superintendent from um, Chicago Public Schools, uh, Mr. Jean-Claude Brizard, uh, is going to be our guest. Um, and so we ask that um, you join us in next month um, on uh, December the 12th, same time, 2 o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. So thanks again, gentlemen. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. And to our audience, uh, go well, stay well. Take care. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.